Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, if you could turn in your Bibles with me this, this morning, or sorry, this afternoon, should I say, to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I'm reading from the NIV version. Acts chapter 10. I want us to pick up on this story. It's a, a famous story that we read in Acts chapter 10 of Cornelius who receives Christ. But he receives Christ by some actions, different things that are happening around in this region at this time when Peter, as we know, receives this vision from God as he sees that the message of the gospel needs to go to the Gentile believers, that's like you and me, and not just the Jews. And so we see God beginning to expand the vision, expand what he wants to do through Peter to let this message come. So we pick up right here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 10. It says this, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his 
guess. This story in Acts chapter 10 tells us about Peter uh, in a place called Joppa. Many of you may have heard of Joppa before. It's referenced in the book of Jonah, where Jonah tries to escape the call of God, the will of God upon his life, and tries to escape from going to Nineveh to preach uh, to the Ninevites. And so what we see here is that the same uh, thing is happening where they're now in Joppa, and Peter has got a call upon his life to take the message of the gospel to the Gentile believers. What you'll realize if you read, if you take a step back in Acts chapter 9, what's just happened in Acts chapter 9 to lead Peter to be here is that he's just prayed for a, a, a lady called Tabitha who is raised from the dead. And it says at the end of that story in Acts 9, we see at the end of that story that as he raises this, this lady from the dead, he ends up staying in, in Joppa because of this reason. So the reason why he's here is because amazing miracles just occurred and someone has just been raised from the dead. I want to say if, if that happened today here right now, if God was to do an amazing miracle, raise someone from the dead, you'd want people would be attracted and bringing the sick. And I believe at that season, that time, Peter was seeing an attraction for people to say, you know, I reckon they'd be knocking on the door saying, we want to be prayed for. We've heard this amazing miracle. So he finds himself in this place simply because of a a miracle. He was in momentum. God was using him to pray for the sick. He was seeing amazing things. But then all of a sudden he finds himself in this place in Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. I want to talk to you today about The subject of pursuing intimacy. You see, many of us want to know what God's will is for our lives. We want to know direction. We want to know what God is saying. A lot of us will listen to people, prophets. We'll come to church and we'll try to hear what God is saying. But I want to encourage you today and talk to you about something that actually a lot of Christians put on the back burner. And it is one of the most important things that we seek time with God. Personal time with God. I believe that in this story, Peter Peter is actually pursuing intimacy. It's intimacy that allows him to understand what God is saying at that moment. And the thing is, many of us sometimes, we want to come to meetings, we want to keep doing things for God and keep running in momentum, but actually the truth is, the only momentum that we need to see is, that the real momentum is going to come from when you spend time with Him and listen to what God is saying to you. Jesus said in John chapter 15, He says, you can do nothing without me. You'll not, you'll not do anything without me. And a lot of the time people re- reference that to, to power. You know, you know, you can't do anything without the power. But the truth is Jesus is talking a lot about being in the vine, communion. In other words, if you don't have communion with Jesus, you'll not accomplish good fruit. And many of us today are going on the, uh, on the belief that when we see God use us, we see some fruit, we think that we're having great communion when we're actually not talking to God. You see, Jesus says that there's going to be a day coming when we're gonna, there's going to be people who say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? And Jesus will turn around to them and say, but I never knew you. In other words, you can operate in power and gift. You can do amazing things for Jesus, and it looks like you're with him. 
But actually you're not. Because you're working in his power. Because he gives gifts and they're irrevocable. He will not take them away from you. But actually he'll give you the gifts. But they're not the test. They're not the litmus test to prove that you're with God. The litmus test is how much you know him. And I want to encourage you today that intimacy is the best thing. You're going to find your direction in God. No prophet, no man, no woman, no church can direct you better than him. Okay? So we want to talk today. It's simple stuff. But I want to talk to you about what you will benefit from this. Jesus instructed us in Matthew 6, 6. He said this. When you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, I want to tell you today, what you do in private will be rewarded in public. What you do when you close the door and you spend time with Jesus, you're going to see great things in public. But many of us start seeing things in public and then live off the public exploits. We live off what God is doing in public and then we start to forget about the solitary moments. You see, Jesus, he used to, he used to go up to the mountains himself and he would spend time with his father. He said his prayer was that you would be as one like he is at one with the Father. So communion was a key thing. And I want to encourage you today that when you're moving, if, if you're saying, well, God's doing amazing things in my life. I don't, I don't know if I need to spend as much time because I'm seeing lots of things happen. Jesus wants you to spend time with him. You see, he takes in Matthew 17 verse 1, we see Jesus leads Peter, James, and John up the mountain for transfiguration. He takes them aside. It's almost like he's saying, I know we're on a journey, guys. We're, we're seeing amazing stuff. There's amazing miracles. You've been following me. You've seen all manner of things. But now I want to take you up this mountain. I want to take you to the top because I'm going to show you some things. He says he took them by themselves. He took them away. Sometimes you're going to have to go into places, get away from the hustle and bustle to spend time with God. And it's going to look like you're losing momentum. You'll feel like if I come, you know, if you climb up a mountain and you're at the bottom and you're on a journey somewhere and you go up to a mountain and come back down again, you ain't got any further in your journey. You've just been up and down and you're back to the same place. And some of us sometimes, we think if I go and spend time with God, I'll lose momentum. But let me tell you, You will never lose momentum. You'll gain momentum by spending time with him. The enemy wants you to think that if you spend time with Jesus, you'll lose momentum. But I want to encourage you today that we need to make sure we spend time with him. I was, in my job I used to work in, one of the things I I would do is I'd get projects given to me. And I was a designer and I'd have projects like software projects, development things. And when I used to do them, One of the hardest things that really irritated me was, if I was sat at my desk, I'd have a coffee, and I'd be working away, and then the boss would come up to me and say, Phil, you know, we haven't had a catch-up in a couple of weeks. Can we have a catch-up? Can we put something in the diary? And I used to think, you don't understand. I need to get this finished. I want to finish this. Why bother having a catch-up? I'll just drop you an email and let you know what I've been up to. But how many of you know that it's good to have a catch-up? Because when I would sit with him in the office, he would say to me, but is that the best way of doing that? 
And he'd tell me things and advise me. And I'd, I'd come out and think, I'm glad I had that meeting because I, I was on the wrong track. How many of you know you only have to go one degree out and you, you're on your way in the wrong direction? And I used to not want to do that. And sometimes God is calling us to come aside from the objective, the mission, the goal. To say, listen, I just want to have a bit of time. Let's have a bit of a debrief. Let's have a a bit of time on what you're doing to see whether you're going in the right direction. Because momentum is not the sign of you're always in God's will. I put here that true momentum in God is always sustained by solitary moments with God. True momentum in God is always sustained by solitary moments. In other words, you remove the solitary moments and I don't believe you've got real momentum. You may think you have, but God wants you to see real momentum in your life. What's the first thing today I want to bring? I believe intimacy requires our attention. The biggest problem you're going to have in spending time with Jesus is your attention. You see, there are so many things demanding our attention these days. I don't know about you, but there's so many things that demand, try to demand my attention that I find it very hard sometimes. And we've got to be intentional about giving attention. Okay? You've got to be intentional about saying, I'm going to make some room and I'm going to make some time to spend with Jesus. Peter was intentional. It says this, About noon the following day as they were on their journey approaching the city. That's the people coming to see Peter. He says, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. What do we see here? Peter. He's not just enjoying the moment. Oh, I've just seen someone raised from the dead. I'm I'm enjoying people knocking on my door asking me to go minister to another person. You know, this is amazing stuff I'm seeing. No, it says he, he got up. He went upstairs out the way of the hustle and bustle. And he goes on to the roof to pray. He was intentional about spending time with Jesus. When was the last time you were intentional? You see, many of us sometimes, we think our, in, we think our solitary moments are in the car, driving along and saying our prayer on the, on the way to work, fitting it in just as a secondary thing. But some of us need to shut the door, go into the room. And make an intentional time and space to spend with Jesus. Francis Chan says this, Our lack of intimacy is due to our refusal to unplug and shut off communication from all others so we can be alone with Him. I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes find it hard to shut off from the world. There are so many things demanding your time. If you've got a mobile phone like me, one of the things it does is every time I da- everyone comes to me and they say, have you got that latest app that does this? There's an app for everything these days. I wish there was an app to wash the pots. I wish there was an app to take a dog for a walk in some cases. There's no apps for that, is there? There's no app that's going to do that for you. But listen to me. Every time you download an app on my phone, it says this. I get a warning comes up. And it says, would you, al- would you like to allow push notifications. In other words, are you prepared for your phone to interrupt you and tell you when you have a message? Are you prepared to be interrupted and have alerts to tell you everything about what this app is doing for you? And I always say yes, and then I find myself, my phone is pinging at every second because every, every app has had the, the license to interrupt me. 
Some of us in our lives, what we do is with friends and family and people around us, what we do is we give them the license for a push notification. We say, interrupt me at any time because you're more important than God. And sometimes we don't allow God to interrupt us. We don't even give him the time to interrupt us. I said today, sometimes when I'm praying and I spend time with God, if the doorbell rings, I have a question. Do I answer the door? Do I respond to the postman who's got an item that needs signing for? How much do I want to spend time with Jesus? Do I want to get up and go to the postman? Or shall I miss the package and get it tomorrow? What do we really want sometimes? Sometimes we allow things to interrupt us and have more influence in our lives than God himself. And I want to encourage you today, it's time to push stuff out. It's time to get things out and make some room for Jesus. Look, this is simple stuff, but who said that it's complicated? Who said it should be complicated to, to approach Jesus? He wants every one of us to have personal relationship. I, it's funny because when I'm on the street sometimes and we, we go out and we, we meet people of other religions and we share the gospel with them, one of the things we'll say to people is, you see, the differences with our religion to yours is we can have a personal relationship. And people like to hear that. But I sometimes, when I'm saying it, I think some of us sometimes say this, but actually, are we really living it? Oh, the great thing about our religion is that it's not about trying to please God. It's about relationship. Some of us don't spend the time, but yet we profess to. I want to encourage you today, it's time to be intentional and to do this. I've put here that pursuing intimacy is the wisdom to first shut out the world for Christ, in order to reach the world for Christ. What does that mean? Some of us think, is it good to be spending time away from the world? Yes. Jesus says, get into a room, close the door. Because you're going to be rewarded in public for what you do. Some of us need to learn that if we want to reach the world for Christ, we've first got to learn how to shut them out. Why? Because we need to listen to what the Father's saying. If you don't listen to what the Father's saying, you're operating in your own ability. So you'll always be trying to reach people in your own strength. My encouragement to you today is to learn how to shut out the world, to listen to him in order that he can reach the world for him. Acts 10.10 says, he went to the roof to pray and he became hungry. Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat. He wasn't fasting because I think he was waiting for it to be prepared. But look how he gets out of the way of the food cooking. Either the food's cooking, he gets onto the roof, out the way of distractions. Your biggest problem is distraction for your attention. I want to say this sometimes. Some of you on a practical level, I want to give you some practical tips. When you go to pray, some people say, well, I fall asleep when I pray. I get into a position, find a good position. And if you start falling asleep, stand up. Stand up. Change your position so that you don't fall asleep. Try to do different things. As soon as you think you're in a too much of a comfortable position, stand up, move around, and pray. But I encourage you, sometimes we get into this, we, we give up on praying because we failed our last attempt. And the devil loves that. He doesn't want you to have another go. But I don't believe Jesus wants you to think that going and praying with him is a chore. He doesn't want you to think that going and spending time with him is a chore. But he wants you to learn that actually coming to him and spending time in his presence is key to your life. Amen.
I want to encourage you today to make that time. Be intentional. In Luke 5.16, it says Jesus often withdrew to solitary places, to lonely places and prayed. He says he withdrew. What does withdraw mean? He comes away from the stuff. He comes away. Some of us need to learn how to withdraw. Last year, I was invited to speak. Uh, I, I was actually on a course to, 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 to learn at a Bible college for a week. I was paying to go to this course. And partway through the course, some of the guys came to me and said, will, the leaders of this course said, will you, will you help us in the prophetic night? I thought, well, I've paid to come here for, to receive, not to, not to participate. I thought, I want some time off. And on this particular night, I agreed. And I remember in the afternoon, spending some time, he said, you know, we're going to be prophesying over people. And I remember in the afternoon, hanging around with some of the guys and other ministers. And there was this battle in my mind. Do I go to my room and listen to what God has to say for tonight? Or do I just spend time and just trust God at the spur of the moment? And I really felt this battle against my flesh. And I decided, I thought, I'm going to go. And I decided to withdraw from the people. I didn't want to do it, but I withdrew from them and I went to my room and I closed the door, turned the light off and listened to God. Two hours I spent in there. Then two hours went like lightning. And as I listened to God, God began to reveal specific things for individuals that night. One of which was a couple that some of you know, uh, Matt and Becky from our one by one charity that we, we like to support. That night I remember giving a word to them about some land that they were about to receive. And I remember afterwards thinking, God, if I'd not spent time with you, I wouldn't have heard what you were saying. I'd have been listening to what I wanted to say, maybe. I want to encourage you, quiet time with God is essential. Don't treat it like a chore. It's essential. We need to learn to remove the things out of the way. In Acts 9, chapter 40, uh, Acts 9, verse 40, the story of Peter with Tabitha, it's interesting because if we look at this, in verse 40 it says this. When Peter arrives at this room, he's about to see, he sees a dead person in the bed. All these people are around and they're talking about Tabitha. And what does Peter do? Peter doesn't respond and say, look, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's sing some songs. Let's try and build up our faith. Let's all talk about this and, and see what we're going to do. Let's not try and do some illustration on how we're going to raise her from the dead. The first thing he does is, it says, Peter sent them all out of the room. He says, leave. You can imagine what they thought. What, what is he doing? She's our friend. He says, get out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. I want to say to you today, there's a principle in this scripture alone. Sometimes you've got to tell people to move out of your life. Give some room for yourself. Empty the room. Get a clear head. Next, you don't try going up and trying to pray your best prayer. What's the next thing he does? He gets onto his knees and he prays and asks God. He looks to God. Then, through a recognition of who God is, seeing who God is, he has the ability and the authority to turn to a dead woman and not pray a prayer to just say, get up. You see, when you recognize who God is, you'll understand your authority. You only recognize by spending time with him of who he is. The problem is this. When you go and pray, this is what happens. You get on your knees 
you make that time, you start to pray. The first thing most of us do is this. In most circumstances, we focus on self, self consciousness. We say, This is my failures. We start off by telling Jesus all about our failures that much, so much so that we don't feel like praying anymore. We think I've got a whole list of things I need to ask for, but I feel that bad about the things I'm reeling off that now I don't even think I'm ever going to get to the list because I've got to feel good first before I get to my list. But I believe Jesus wants us to do this. He wants us to get into his presence and focus on him first. Look at who he is and how great he is and how small we are in comparison and get a a perception of who we are in God. Because when you begin to look straight into his eyes, you'll take emphasis off yourself. When you take emphasis off yourself, you will begin to see who you are in Christ. When you realize how small you are and how insignificant you are in comparison to God, in the size of who God is, then your sins, you realize that he has covered your sins. You see, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you'll see that it does talk about we need to confess our sins. But what does the prayer begin with? It talks about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you are respected and praised. In other words, I'm going to begin my prayer. If Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray, he said, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to begin to teach you that you begin by showing how respected and praised God is. When you understand that, later on in the prayer, you'll understand you can ask for forgiveness. I want to encourage you today, don't always start with self. Start with God. Look to him. King David said in Psalm 121 verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the mountain where my help comes from. I lift up my eyes. I look to you. Do you know what I do sometimes? We need to start doing this more, but go into the room, shut the door, turn everything off, the phone, and sit in silence. Just reflect. And fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Look into his eyes. Do you want to, when you do this at home, I want to encourage you the next time you do this, spend as long as you want doing that until you begin to see his voice come. He says, my sheep hear my voice. You only get to hear someone's voice when you stop to listen. You know, the next thing that happens is this. When you start to focus on Jesus, and you start to give your attention to him like that, he'll renew your ambition. You see, many of us have got plans. We've got plans what we want to do in our lives We've got all our lives mapped out sometimes, but when you spend time in his presence, you'll begin to hear what he's saying to you. What's his plans for your life? What's his desires? And the more you spend time listening, the more you'll hear him showing you. You won't need a prophet to come and tell you. The prophet will always confirm, but you won't need a prophet to tell you. You have the greatest prophet. His name is Jesus. And he says, I want to talk to you all the time, all the time, revealing the Father's 
will. Proverbs 5.1 says this, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear towards my words of insight. In other words, listen to me. I'm going to give you insight. What happens is this, is when we spend time with Jesus, do you know what happens? What happened to Peter? The moment he went onto the roof and he says, I'm going to make some time. I'm going to be intentional to give you my attention. The moment he did that, what happened? Heaven opened. A sheet came out. He says a large sheet came out that touched from heaven to earth. God wants to reveal what heaven is saying about your life, not what you're saying about your life. You see, the moment you say, I'm going to be intentional and fix my eyes on you, then you'll begin to see in a heavenly perspective what God is saying to you. If you read Ephesians 4.11, you'll see that the church is built upon the apostles and prophets first. Why? Because the apostles and the prophets release what heaven is saying to build that foundation. If it's not built on what heaven's blueprint is, then we're going, not going anywhere. But some of us need to learn that first of all, priority is to hear what God is saying in our lives. And it renews our ambition. You see, in the Lord's Prayer later, it then says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, what's in heaven, I want to be on earth. I want your will to be done in my life. I want you to reveal to me, show me what you want to show. Heaven open over my life to reveal what God the Father wants to do. We read earlier that he says that when this sheet came down, the next thing that happens is he hears a voice three times. Get up, kill and eat. Now he didn't have to kill anything. But what God was showing is this. He was looking back to Leviticus 11 and thinking, I've got to remember that we're not supposed to be touching certain animals. And now God's saying to do this. And what he was effectively saying is, I want you to go to the Gentiles because I'm going to expand your vision. And God wants to expand your vision in, in intimacy. When you get into intimacy with him, you'll begin to see big, a bigger picture of what God wants to do in your life. Let me tell you, some of you today are limited because you're not allowing God to show you a heavenly perspective. And when you let him show a heavenly perspective, it will expand your vision. It will expand what God wants to do in your life. Get up, he said, Peter, kill and eat. Some of us today don't want to do things. Why? We ask God in in his presence. We get into his presence. We say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to do this. And the moment he responds and says, I want you to do this. Some of us don't like the answer. I I want to say to you today, if you ask God to do something in your life, you better get ready to be challenged. You see, a lot of us think that God will always give us things that suit us and it's comfortable. God, if you say, God, use me. Here I am. Send me. You're going to get some major challenges. He's going to expand you so much more than you thought. And he says to Peter, he says, you've come and you're fixing your eyes on me. You want to know what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying, son. I want you to go here and I want you to do this. How much, I want to ask you the question today, how much would you give to God? What would you do? Some of us don't like the taste of it. 
He says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. We don't like the taste of what God is doing in our lives. We say, no, I'm going to pick and choose. I don't want this. I'm going to reject this and take this. How many of you are for a challenge today? I mean a real challenge. Come on, put, put your hand up if you want a practical challenge here today. But I want to encourage you, you've got to eat something that you might not want to eat. Who's up for eating something today that you didn't want to eat? Or you've never eaten before, maybe. You, think about it before you put your hand up. This man here, come on. Lewis, come on. I want two women who weren't here in morning service. Two women who were prepared to do something and eat something. When you've got no idea what this is. This lady here, come on, come forward. Anyone else? We need a fourth person. You're not a lady, Dangra, I'm sorry. I know you're eager. You've already seen. Lily, come on. Give him a big round of applause. Now, I want you to give, give them all one of these cups. Don't open it yet. Has anyone ever seen, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here? Has anyone ever heard of the term, I'm a Christian, get me out of here? You've got no idea what's in these, have you? But you've agreed. You've agreed on the basis. Why? Because do you trust me? (laughs) You trust me? See, when God asks you to do something, you've got to trust him. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you don't like the idea of it because you're thinking, I'm worried and I'm fearful. You're hesitant because you're fearful of what's going to come. Every one of you is scared. Now, first of all, before we open it, what if I told you this is a creature? Yeah? You you can't sit down now. You've agreed. Now, I want you to open your containers. Tell me what you see. You're not going to eat it yet. Come on. Open your container. Have a look. These are locusts. These are locusts. And I bought, I bought them from johnthebaptist.com. I have honey downstairs if you need it. If anyone needs honey to go with this, a little bit of honey makes the locusts go down. <laughs> Who's up for seeing these guys eat some locusts this afternoon? You don't see this in church much. Listen, if it's good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for us. Listen. What I want you to do in a moment, there is a, there is a reward for this, by the way. I'm going to give a prize. It's a Costa card for you to go and spend in Costa and have, a, and have a, something nice to eat with a drink. Before you get that, I need the first person. I'm going to, we're going to count to three. We're going to roll them in. Whoever eats this and puts your hand up, the quickest opens your mouth and shows you fully ate this, then you'll get the gift card from me. Are you ready? We're going to count down. We're going to roll, and then I'm going to count three, two, one. When we get to one, you've got to put it in. My advice is do it all in one. It's much better. Are you ready? Are you ready? Roll, everyone. Let's roll. Ooh. Three, two, one, go. You're not going for it. It's all right. The Lord will reward you in the future. Lily. Come on, Lily. Lily is the winner. Come on. Give her a big round of applause. Wow. There you go. It's not that bad. That's what John the Baptist said. It's not that bad. Someone said this morning, it tastes like salt and vinegar. Some of us, you know, in our lives are like this. We got to trust God. 
God says to us, if you want me to show you things and release you into your destiny, you're going to have to trust me. And I'm going to ask you to do things that you might not like doing sometimes. You don't like the taste of. You don't think it's a good idea. But you must trust me. If you can trust the instructions on the website that tells me that these are edible. I hope they are anyway. We can trust God's instruction. Amen. You see, he says, I want to give you instructions. I want to give you direction in your life. And some of us sometimes are not prepared to change our ambitions for God. James 4 verse 13 to 17 says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In other words, you've got to start saying to God, I want your will, not my will. I want what you want from me, not what I want. Even if it looks like it doesn't taste all that good. You'll never forget that, will you? Tasting a locust. It's not that bad. I'm, I'm going to have some for my tea tonight. This morning, by the way, I said to my son, he said, can I have a look at what you've got? I showed him what I got. Lewis, my, my youngest son, took one out of one of the locusts and ate it in one. He was like a monster. I've not even eaten one yet. So if, you, if he can do it, I knew you could do it. He was the trial, really. He was the test. But how prepared are you to change your ambitions for God? How prepared are you to change your ambitions if he asks you to do something? Don't you think when you get into intimate relationship with God and he starts telling you to do things you don't want to do, don't walk away from it. Welcome it. Because God wants you to walk into his destiny. He has to ask Peter three times. There's a, a sign there. He denies him three times. He asks him three times. Then he even sends three men to the door. Three times. He has to ask him because why? He's hesitant. Is this what you want? Some of us sometimes have heard God speak to us prophetically, directing us to do things, but we're hesitant for what he wants. I put here that our life's ambition is always determined by the source of our vision. What's the source of your vision today? Is your vision based on what you've made your life up to be? Or is your vision based on what God is saying it is? Because then your ambitions will be in line with your vision. If your ambition's in line with your vision and it's a God vision, I'm telling you, you're going to be doing the right things. But sometimes your ambitions are not always going to feel that good. But I want to encourage you today, walk into his plans as he reveals them in intimacy. Finally here, intimacy reveals our direction. You see, it will change your ambition, but the moment it changes your ambition in life, your direction will change. You see, the moment you start changing what you want to do and in your heart and your plans become focused on kingdom, you will begin to go in a kingdom direction and not a natural direction. Amen? Who wants to go in their lives in a kingdom direction? I know I want kingdom direction. And you see, what happens is Cornelius is sending these three men. He sends three men to to this house, Simon the Tanner. And all these things are happening all together at once. The puzzle is coming together. As Peter is on the roof and he's been intimate with God, then these three men arrive. But I want to ask you the question. You'd say, well, why, why couldn't he have just answered the door and not prayed and the men would have come and asked him to go? Because I believe that men speaking to us is no one, nowhere near as powerful as when it comes from God. You see, he got revelation from God so that when he met the men, he could respond to the men. You see, some of us sometimes in our lives, we don't go to the roof to pray, so we live off the prophets. 
And what happens is they come knocking on the door and we ask them questions and we're forever listening to what prophets are saying when Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll always reveal first before the prophets. I'll always reveal before they come. And sometimes I believe that in our lives what we need to do is some of us sometimes we want more prophets to tell us more things. I went to a prophetic conference last year, spent £30 on a ticket, 500 people in the room and they didn't give me a word. I felt like sending a letter and get my money back. In fact, none of us in the car got a word. What a bad value. <laughs> it was. And I drove to Leicester as well. The petrol. Do you know what? I just sensed the Lord speak to me after that and said, Do you know what? The more you spend time with me, the more you'll get prophet speaking. Because they'll confirm what I've already told you. But you need to spend time with me first to listen to what I'm saying. Then they'll confirm. So I want to encourage you, if you want to hear prophets speak to you more in these prophetic conferences, spend time with God more and then he'll, he'll, he'll be able to confirm through the prophets where he's already told you. We need to hear his direction. Sometimes we can avoid intimacy and think, I'll just trust on the, on, on, on the fly by night. I'll just wait until the guys come. You can imagine Peter downstairs while the food was cooking. He's not gone up to pray and three men knock on the door. He has to rely on his own intellect. He has to rely on his own wisdom. But God gives supernatural wisdom. He gives us the ability to understand. In fact, if you read the story, you'll see that when he's on the roof to pray, God does not give him a clear sign of everything that they're here for. He still has to ask them when they get to the door. And then he invites them in for dinner and they talk. The one thing he does know is that God said, go with them. Go with them. He will change your direction. I love it this, when it says that while Peter, in verse 19 to 20 in Acts 10, while Peter was still thinking about the vision. So he's had three attempts from God. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, not the three men, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. If you ask Cornelius, he, told, he would have told you that he'd sent them. God says, I've sent them. He orchestrated everything, but he still wants to bring spirit revelation before natural revelation to you. Sometimes if we don't have vision and we don't seek in intimacy what God is saying in our lives, we perish. Why? The Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, my people perish. The message version says this, same, same scripture, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. In other words, what he reveals to you in vision, if you attend to that blueprint, you will be blessed. If you attend to what you're doing, you'll perish. How many of you know that Jonah from Joppa who left, he tried to attend to his vision. What happened? He nearly perished because he tried to deviate from Nineveh. The moment he deviates from the blueprint from heaven, he nearly ends up getting killed. But thank God in his grace, he kept him alive. Some of you today may have said, I've, I failed because I did deviate from what God asked me to do. But I want to tell you some good news today. He keeps people in fishes. He keeps you in the belly of a whale. 
And some of you now are thinking, maybe I've made some bad decisions and I rejected God's call on my life. Maybe years ago you rejected and knew you should have done something. But God's saying today, I have not given up on you if you made a mistake. Because I didn't give up on Jonah. But I give you the opportunity to reconfigure. I always believe God is in the business of reconfiguring. I don't know about you. You see, when David uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba, he reconfigures. Why? Because he's a man after his own heart. So I want to encourage you today, whatever situation you're in, if you think you've deviated from the blueprint, God is saying today, I have not given up on you. If we attend to what God reveals, we are blessed. We are blessed. Don't hesitate, he said, to go with them. I just want to look at this before we finish today. In Jeremiah 42. You see, in the Old Testament, it's very different. I want to tell you today, you are blessed. You are blessed to live in a season and time in the new covenant where you can have personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you know that all the ones through the Old Testament longed to see this day? Sometimes we forget that. They would love to be sat in this church now. Forget double meetings. They'd have been here for triple or four. They'd have eaten locusts all day. Why? Because they longed to see what we are living in now. Why? Because we can have a personal relationship. Some of us take this for granted sometimes. We take it for granted that we can spend time with Jesus. Do you know what we should be doing today? We should be hungry to get back home. Shut the door and say, I'm just going to do what we did earlier in church. I'm going to close my eyes and listen. I'm hungry for this. Because the patriarchs, the ones, the, the ones mentioned in Hebrew, the heroes of the faith would long to be here today. To have a latte downstairs and then be have the ability to go home after this and pray. You have an opportunity. But I want to just show you something. In Jeremiah 42, we read that in the Old Testament, the people had to go to the prophets. That's all they had. They had to ask the prophets to ask God so that they would speak back to them and give them direction. And here in Jeremiah 42, verse 3, it says this. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us, the people said, where we should go and what we should do. They want a blueprint. They want a vision. They wanted to see what, what's God saying over our lives. We've been in Egypt. We've been in slavery. We want to know what God is saying right now. Please go and ask God to tell us this blueprint over our lives now. So Jeremiah in verse 19, he says, This remnant of Judah, the Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. They wanted to go back. Do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today that you made a fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord your God and said, pray to the Lord our God for us and tell us everything he says and we'll do it. I've told you today, but you still have not obeyed the Lord your God in all he sent me to tell you. So now be sure of this. You will die by the sword. Famine and plague in the place where you want to go and settle. Some of us, if we're not careful, will choose a blueprint that's not from heaven and we'll settle there. And that is not the vision of heaven. And what happens when you have no vision from heaven? You perish. You see, they wanted to know what God was saying. As soon as God told them, they didn't like it. (laughs) How many of us do that? We do it today. But you've got an opportunity. You don't have to go to any prophet to ask him. 
you can go right home today and say, God, begin to reveal in in my relationship with you, show me what you're doing over my life. Because I'll tell you, if you begin to do that and you come into church, the church, the prophets, the gifts will confirm it. I'm not here, by the way, as a minister of this church to direct your lives and tell you what I believe God is telling you to do. That's wrong. I'm here to help you and confirm. But you should be knowing already what God's saying. Some of us don't want to do that. We live off the three men coming to the door. Come and tell me I don't want to go and spend time praying. But God has sent you today. Go up to the roof first. Because if you go to the roof first, you'll see heaven come down. You'll see the blueprint. And then when the people come, you'll know what to do. I want to encourage you today that God wants to, He wants to order your footsteps. He wants to do that. He's desirous to do it. He wants your plans. I want us to worship in a minute as we do. I just want to give an opportunity, just maybe today. I don't want to pray for anyone because it's not about my prayers. It's about you saying, I'm going to make a decision to be intimate with God. Maybe as we worship at the end, you want to kneel where you are. Maybe you want to come to the front and kneel at the front and just say, God, I want to make a decision today to come back to that place of intimacy with you. I want to get serious about you again. If that's you, I want you to just take that opportunity. Let's get before God again. And say, I'm making a decision. I'm going to be intentional about intimacy. See, this is what happens. I finish with this. In Psalm 16, verse 11, the writer says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In other words, you'll show me the path of, your, of life in your presence. I'll receive joy, not condemnation. So I want to encourage you today as we worship and finish now. Think about what I said. Make a decision today to say, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to just be serious about God. And it will change your life. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, Go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.